Welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. My name is Peter Sam, and I'm tonight's co-host. I'm currently a senior studying film and TV production in Tisch from Brooklyn, New York, and I'm an RA in Founders. And I'm Tom Ellett. I serve as the other co-host, and I am the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Welcome, Peter, to the show. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. Thank you. I get to see you. You live where I live. We're yes. in a book club together. Yes. And, you know, how has Founders been for you as a, being an RA? Being an R8 Founders, it was definitely an adjustment, but this has been one of the most rewarding experiences I've had in my NYU career. Um, it's great to have a different type of relationship with the residents here and have them look to me as a peer, but also like a mentor and someone they can come to for resources and things like that. That's great that it's been so rich for you in terms of the relationships. What do you think you did that has helped make that happen? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we're hiring RAs, they're coming in, they're going to find out another week, they're going to listen to the podcast, and they're going to say, let me hear some advice from a veteran. For me, it's pretty much letting them know that I'm a student too, and I've gone through what you're going through. Don't look at me as someone who, oh, the RA, I'm going to get in trouble if I try to talk to him. Like, no, I'm I'm a person, I'm a student, I'm here for you. I'm like a friend. I've become friends with my residents, yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Any special programs or things that you've, memories you've created with your students uh, over the course of the year? Hmm. So an initiative I did recently was, uh, so I'm a film and TV major, and I my door decks were all film and TV themed. Nice. And I held a little competition, so I got all my residents to watch um, different TV shows and movies. And uh, the first suite um, that was able to get all their um, members to watch something from there, I gave them all free movie tickets. So nice. it was really cool getting everyone to, like, get, come together and, like, clear their schedules to, like, do this and, like, get movie tickets together. that's yeah. great mm-hmm. uh, and, and what's going on next year for you you're graduating this year what's your oh, plan yes. <laughs> is it LA is it New York oh that bi-coastal <laughs> back and forth um, I definitely do want to move out to LA eventually but I think I'm going to stay in New York mm-hmm. um, I'm eyeing a position at NBC there's um, a page the page program that right. I'm interested in excellent I want to see where life will take me after that. Well, tonight's guest, actually, we just watched a clip of him on NBC. So mm-hmm. who is tonight's guest? Today, our guest is Morgan Jay, who served as an RA in Weinstein Hall for Katie Winter during the 07 to 09 academic years. Welcome, Morgan, and thank you for joining us on tonight's show. It is absolutely a pleasure having you on. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. He's very, you know, he's such a really nice guy. Morgan, long time no here it's good to hear your voice yeah it's good to talk to you yeah it's 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 really uh it's really cool to be on this podcast excellent tell us briefly what you've done since your days uh at nyu and then we'll go through uh, your nyu experience yeah so immediately after graduation uh you know i got a couple part-time jobs um one of which i think was my favorite job was a a bicycle tour guide in New York City where me and about 20 plus strangers would ride around the city. So that was a really good like part-time job. So up until about two and a half years ago, I've just been working some part-time jobs and then also in the background doing stand-up. But for the last two and a half years, maybe a little bit more than that, I've been a full-time entertainer. So actor, performer, traveling, touring, things like that. Yeah, so that's what I've been up to. Can I ask you about that transition you made from doing the comedy in the background to becoming a full-time performer? Yeah, so I think it's for any artist or creative, and I think we'll probably get into this later. Also, being raised by immigrants, I think 
I had no issue having a job, like a day job or a part-time job or literally working any job. And living here in Los Angeles, you're kind of faced with like at any moment you could be unemployed, you know? And I think at theater school, they kind of talked about, it's not the, the gigs that you book that make you an actor. It's the stuff you do in between, you know? So like, how do you survive? Like some of us are lucky, lucky enough to make a living, but there are t- like, I'm prepared to go back to getting a normal day job if I need to, you know what I mean? And I think especially for somebody like you who's going to graduate, I mean, this is, uh, the, the, the job market and the landscape is so much different. And especially now for, for creators or people who want to do film and TV, it's insanely different than when I had graduated. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go back to your days at Washington Square. Um, you studied in, in Tisch. What did you study? specifically i majored in acting or bachelor of fine arts and i was at the stella adler studio of for for acting and then i minored in classics so i really wanted to study stuff that would be of no use to me in the real world you know what i mean so it was great <laughs> it was a good it was a good look on my part i wanted no safety net you know what i mean were you inv- were you involved in extracurricular activities here you know the the theater program there is pretty uh intense so you know, when you weren't studying, and also because it's a liberal arts school, you, you were required to do a lot of the fundamental, you know, sciences and academics that you have to go through. And I also had a work-study program there. So uh, between the work-study, the theater classes, and then also the homework that they would give us at theater school is a bit different. Um, sometimes we'd be, we would be putting on plays, scenes, things like that. So the the main extracurricular activity to be honest with you was stand up comedy you know like while a lot of other students were going out to party you know on a thursday or friday night uh, i was usually at like an open mic or a comedy club with people you know sometimes twice my age waiting to do like 5 minutes of stand up so let's talk a little about the ra position um what did you gain out of the ra position that's really kind of helped you in, in what you're doing today stand up uh you know planning events Right off the top of my head, planning events is huge. I mean, the first year uh, I had to plan an event. I had to get people to come to the show or to the event, um, learning how to organize and kind of take charge of that. Um, also learning how to deal with failing at an event. Because, you know, a lot of times you could put an event on and the turnout might not be that good. And you kind of got to ask yourself, what can I do to do better to make the, to make this more attractive to students to come to, you know? I've always said that uh, college is really a, one of the greatest experiments ever when you think you're going to take, in our case, Weinstein, for, for example, 540 students who don't know each other from all over the world, put them in a building and you think there's going to be success. And more times than not, there is. Yeah, Weinstein is an amazing dorm, too, because I also think it's one of the few dorms that is really accessible for certain religious groups. I don't know if you remember that, like a lot yes. of the Orthodox Jewish community that goes to the school. Absolutely. Um, they, they, uh, they actually were in that dorm. So you had a lot of different uh, communities coming together at that, that particular hall. What was it that made you uh, apply for the RA position? Well, there's two things, you know, obviously, um, and I think a lot of RAs will say this, like the financial burden of going to NYU is pretty great. But also, I remember when I was a freshman, I took full advantage of all the events that the RAs put on. I mean, I think I think I know my favorite event of the year. I think a lot of freshmen can agree with is Welcome Week. I think NYU puts on one of the best. And I could say that because I've been to a lot of other schools and I've been at their Welcome Weeks and I see the programs they put on. 
NYU has one of the best, you know, welcome weeks for new students in the country. And I just remember how much I enjoyed that first week of college and meeting new people and all that, and all that stuff. So it was like becoming an RA was a great opportunity to facilitate that same positive experience that I had. What, what, you, you already mentioned a little bit about Weinstein, the diversity uh, that existed there. Uh, what was special about the team that you worked with? My co, my first co-RA, uh, if you can believe it or not, and I think you're going to ask this question later, who do I keep in touch with, uh, ended up being one of my closest friends. And he actually lives around the corner from me here in Los Angeles uh, with his wife, which is so wild. And, and then my co-RA... The second year, Brian, uh, I see him every time I go back to New York. He, you know, he works at a big hedge fund in the financial district, and he and I couldn't come from two like more different backgrounds as far as career path. You know, he does the full financial hedge fund thing, and I'm totally immersed in the arts. And we, I see him every. He's one of the he's one of the few people I keep in touch with. Um, so that is really cool uh, with regards to, you know, the RAs that I work with. My co-RAs were huge. What kind of relationships did you have with your residents? So for the first year, Evan, my, my co-RA was Evan Geary. Uh, I don't know if you remember him, Tom. But, I remember uh, Evan very well. And I just had uh, his uh, co on the, uh, the podcast. Oh, yeah. So and I could always and I could refer you to him later if you want to talk to him. But Evan... Uh, and I were quarries. And at the time in college, I definitely was a goofball. And I think I kind of served as a friendly ear to fall on. And I offered my sense of humor was a big strength for me with the students in uh, connecting with them and, you know, having, having worthwhile discussions with them. I think Evan, I think Evan was more of like the strict parent and I was the, the fun, easygoing parent, you know. And I think when I moved senior year into like the senior co-RA role, uh, my role shifted a little bit. Definitely had to deal with some serious situations, I guess, when we were, you know, they have the on-duty role um, So while I was there. So, yeah. What inspired you to want to do stand-up? I was, you know, in high school, with regards to, to inspire me to do stand-up, in high school, I watched a lot of Comedy Central. Uh, and I, I just remember thinking, I, th this seems so cool. This is something I would love to do. And I, it just seemed like something that was attainable that I could do. Uh and freshman year of NYU, I did the Welcome Week open mic, which I thought was going to be a very small event of like 20 to 30 students. But I guess I didn't really grasp how large of a college or university NYU was. And I think there were about 400 students that came to the open mic. Not only that, Evan and I both did it that first week and we both did stand up. And uh, yeah, that, that's, that was the experience. Did you always have a passion for entertainment, performing? Yes, I did always have a passion for entertainment, and it kind of runs in my family. You know, my father was a pop star in Argentina, if you could actually believe that. And uh, he was a singer and an entertainer, and the first guitar that I picked up was his, and I kind of, I feel like I'm kind of carrying on that tradition. And uh, I started playing piano when I was, what, six years old, so I played that for about 10 years. So uh, entertainment and, and performance was always part of my life. And I think going into freshman year with a major right off the bat, I think, is a, is, you know, kind of shows how important it was to me. 
I don't remember the Argentina past. My wife's from Argentina, and I don't remember that piece of, in our conversations. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't. Maybe I didn't talk about it as much back in the day, but uh, yeah, it was. He was a pop star there. Um, I, I want to say in his late twenties. You know, he was an older. He was twenty years older than my mom, but that was. It was like late sixties. He was doing it, so it was. It was quite a quite a while ago. You, you talked a little bit about the part-time jobs and the whole process of uh, being able to sustain that nighttime work uh, through the part-time jobs. Where was the beginning of your breakthrough for you to feel like, I feel like I'm really going to be successful. I can commit to this for as long as I want. It, it definitely, you know, I, I, it's a hard question to, to answer because it's for anybody who's getting into, let's say, stand-up comedy, if you're getting into it to make millions of dollars, um, you know, you probably don't want to do this. Uh, you got to really have an itch and you got to really love performing in, in this kind of medium. So for me, I was always prepared to work no matter how long it took a part-time job. Like I think the last part-time job I had was I was working at the Apple store for a little over six and a half years. Um, and, you know, I always got offers to get promoted. They, they you know, they, they always gave me offers to move up in the ranks. Of, in the, but I always stayed at the, 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 the bottom level, to, to, which offered me flexibility. And, it, you know, it gave me the opportunity to audition for commercials and TV shows and movies. And it also gave me opportunities to perform at night. For me, it was just like, if I can make a living doing it. So to answer your question, about two and a half years ago, I was able to sign with uh, an agent, a college agent specifically, and college agents give you access to performing at NACA. And you know, I don't know if you're familiar with NACA, but it's National Association of Campus Activities. They have conferences throughout the year um, where they look for talent to perform at their schools, let's say for a welcome week or at midterms or like a winter break thing, whatever, whatever program it might be. I mean, you guys know you have a certain fund set up for this. And so that was the beginning. And, 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 you know, I was really, at that point I was 10 years into comedy and I was really confident in my performance. So I signed with his agent. I got it into two regional conferences to perform. And I just knew that if I got into the conferences, I would book a ton of schools. And the first year I booked over 40 colleges and the, the, the college scene, even at the base level of performing, uh, pays really well. So from that first year, I, I made, you know, a teacher salary just doing that. In addition to the money I was making as a, an actor for, you know, acting commercials and things like that. So I, I was like, all right, well, you know what? I think I'll be okay for at least the next year or two, you know? And uh, so far, two and a half years later, I'm still, uh, you know, I have money in my bank account, savings account, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing all right. Morgan, it's been great talking to you so far. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to jump into your current role and your experiences working in the entertainment industry. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mr. Matt from Turtle Dance Music, or as the kids call me, the Turtle Man. We help kids come out of their shells. We do over 550 shows a year, interactive music concerts for kids with and without autism. And we love to help kids of all abilities come out of their shells. Check us out at www.turtledancemusic.com, or you can find us on youtube.com slash C slash Turtle Dance Music.
Hello and welcome back. Uh, Morgan just talked a little bit about his uh, experience at NYU and his beginnings uh, in terms of his journey. Morgan, you talked a little bit about the whole college environment. How is the college scene in the audience different than other kind of venues that you've worked at in terms of stand-up? The college scene now is pretty jarring, if I'm being honest with you. Um, students, you know, I'm a decade older than, a little over a decade older than a lot of the students that I'm performing for now. So connecting with them, connecting with them is difficult. There's definitely a gap between us. I mean, they're, the, the people that I'm performing for basically have grown up with uh, a smartphone in their hand. So their communication skills, and I'm sure you see this all the time talking to new students now, I, I just find it way different talking to, connecting with, and maintaining students' attention at shows. For a lot of students, it's about like being somewhere cool and being able to like Instagram or post on Snapchat or TikTok or whatever social media platform they're using to let other people know that they were doing something as opposed to, to like being at a show, being present and enjoying the show. It, it's just a lot, it's a lot more difficult to reach them, uh, I think. Because I mean, I've been at shows uh, where you really don't know what environment you're going to walk into. Like I, I might be performing in a theater. I might be performing in a cafeteria. I might be performing literally in a hallway, a small lounge. So every college environment is so different where as opposed to, also I should say, college campuses are way more sensitive. I mean, even when I was at school at NYU, and we're, NYU is a very liberal school, so it's very sensitive. Um, and I think a lot of students, they, they just get their, you know, they get their first taste of a liberal arts education and they think they know everything. And I, I'm totally guilty of that when I was a college student. So if they hear me use the word like gay or black or whatever, they don't even kind of listen to the context or the, 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 what the joke is about. And they could easily get triggered just by hearing a word. And, and, and there's like no dialogue yeah. later on. Yeah. I'd say I experienced that in my own role, too being really conscious of the words that I'm using to make sure that I don't alienate someone who I may see as a big campus, may see once or twice. And yeah, I mean, I think you, you probably know more, more than ever, like I bet students come to you with issues and you're probably looking at it like, I would never even consider this like an issue. And, but now you're having a conversation about it and you're like being educated as to what's going yeah. on. You know what yeah. I mean? No, I agree, I agree. So Morgan, you're a musician and a comedian. How did you first decide you wanted to put those two talents together? When it came to putting those two talents together, I, I had already been doing stand-up for six years. Um, I, I did stand-up in New York for five years, and then I moved to L.A., and I did it for another year out here. And there's there's something called the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal, which uh, for a comedian is probably the tops of the top, the most important comedy festival in the world. And I was asked to audition for it. I auditioned for it two years in a row, and I didn't get in. And I've yet to get in, but you know, even to be even to be asked to audition is, is like a you know a, 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 an honor in itself. But uh, I kind of hit a wall uh, creatively because I was like, oh, this is it. This is going to be my big break, and then it never happened. And then I had to really kind of question, what am I doing this for? Am I doing this for because I want to achieve? Like, I want to be on TV. I want to be at this festival. I want you know girls to like me. I'm going to be honest with you because I was that was part of the self-discovery of the whole thing too, you know? Why am I actually doing this? So when that happened, I kind of was like, okay, 
I'm not really enjoying the material that I'm doing now. And can I really see myself telling these jokes over and over and over again? So then a friend of mine suggested that I pick up the guitar because for a while I would just mess around and make fun of my friends and joke around with the guitar a little bit. And a friend of mine suggested that maybe I incorporate that into my act, which I was a little bit nervous and reluctant to do because uh, music comedy or guitar, guitar comedy is kind of among comedy peers frowned upon and seen as a crutch. Uh, but I took a summer and I said, you know what? I'm going to just take two months or three months. I'm going to write two songs and I'm going to take that around to open mics and shows and just see how that, how I feel about it. See how the crowd reacts to it. Six years after that, two songs turned into 40 plus songs turned into an album turned into me having my first appearances on television last summer, uh, turned into me making a living that people really loved it. It turned out I love doing it. Um, and now at this point in my career, I'm bringing stand-up back into my set. So when I do a full hour, you'll see me without the guitar and with the guitar. And that's kind of how the evolution went. And I think one of the things I should say as an artist, and especially for yourself, if you're you know, a filmmaker or a screenwriter or whatever it is, I think having goals are important. They're necessary. But I think you need to be able to pivot. You need to be able to evolve, to grow. It's not, it shouldn't be, I want to be the best. I want to win all the awards. Because, you know, what happens when you when that happens? What happens when you win the award? Then what are you going to do next, you know? You have to really be able to evolve and change. And you also have to really love what you're doing. 100%. It sounds like you have found that place where you actually enjoy what you're doing rather than looking for the accolades. Uh, definitely, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, an award here, being, you know, recognized for something is great. Uh, but yeah, you definitely have to learn to love what you're doing. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your um, your time on NBC's Bring the Funny. We watched uh, the skit, uh, and really quite funny. Uh, how did you get that happen? And uh, tell us about your experience. Yeah, that was a very unique experience. That started in 2018 in October. Uh, two friends said, hey, there's this new TV show. It's going to be kind of like Last Comic Standing, but they're looking for recommendations. And I passed your name along to a casting associate. Um, and I said, okay. And then I, and then, and I filled out the, this whole application process and I didn't hear anything back until February of 2019. And then I had a phone interview and then a FaceTime interview. And, and then about a week or two after that, I got an offer. Uh, my manager told me, Hey, they, they want to have you on the show. And in the terms of the contract clearly stated that even if we offer this to you, there's no guarantee that you're going to make it to the show. Cause I have a lot of friends who also got the same offer uh, to be on the show, but they were cut, you know, last minute. So I, so I got the offer and then finally it really did go through. And then I started talking to a producer there. The process of work, working with a major network uh, like NBC was very educational in that, you know, there, there's a lot of restrictions uh, even down to the words you use in your material. So, I had to submit to them four to six different TV bits. Uh, and at that point, I did have enough material to do that. So I submitted, and then the producers loved all of the bits that I submitted. 
And then it came down to I had to edit the I had to edit them down to two and a half to three minutes, which was very hard. I had to take out you know some swear words that are in there. I had to change words. So now you're dealing with what I like to say ambiguity, right? You're going to be doing stuff on national television that you've never done before. You're doing the bits, and you have to write up a script. Uh, and if you've seen if you see me perform live, you know that a big portion of my act is improvised. So I had to do that, and then. You know, actually going on TV, and I think this is the biggest part, um, the scale of what you're performing and the circumstances, like you're showing up to set at 9 a.m., you have an audience that's paid to be there, they are sitting in the crowd for five hours, there's a break between each performance, like 15 minutes, you only get one dress rehearsal the day before, and then you just go out and you, you do it. And I remember that first performance, uh, you know, they, they say when sometimes when you're nervous, your knees shake. And, I, and I've been nervous before, but my knees never shook. And I remembered that first performance, like, oh, my God, my knees are actually shaking. And uh, after I got upset, I, they said it was so great. And I had a stomachache for an hour after that. Uh, and then I did a second performance. And then I did a third performance, which is the one I, with me and Chrissy. And that's on my website. And I remember the, 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 the day of, like, Jeff Boxford, he came to me. He goes, how, how you doing? How'd you sleep last night? And I was like, honestly, I didn't really sleep well. And he was so nice and told me a story about how the, his first appearance on Carson, you know, he, he, he was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then they just, like, pushed him out, and he had to do it. And I think that's what you do for 10 years. You, you perform live for 10 years. So when the day comes and you have to be on national television, you can just go into autopilot, and you don't have to think. Interesting. So, you've been in many different comedy festivals, such as Westside Comedy Showdown, 2018 Ventura Comedy Festival, and 2019 Antelope Valley Comedy, comedy Festival. Which one was your favorite? Well, the, the ones that you named specifically, those were all competition festivals, so there was a cash prize at the end of it. And all of those ones I, I won, those are smaller festivals. Um, and while those are really good, like that Antelope Valley Festival, you know, the, the, the cash prize for that for first place was... Uh, like $7,500, right? So that was a good little chunk of change and that helped me out. Um, but but the, the best festival I probably did were, the, there, there's one, uh, the Big Sky Comedy Festival and the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival. And while those festivals don't didn't offer any sort of monetary reward, um, they offer the biggest opportunity uh, because they had the biggest panels for, for industry and to be seen. You know, like for Big Sky or for Laughing Skull, the booker of, you know, the, the late show with Stephen Colbert is there, the, the, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Like, they, they go to those shows and they watch you and they see you. And so then you're on their radar. Um, so those, and those festivals are really great because they are a little bit more, um, what's the word, uh, diff difficult to, to get accepted to. Um, they, they carry a little bit more weight on, let's say, your comedy resume. Uh, so let's say if, if I want to go to a city like Chicago and I want to do a bunch of shows in Chicago, I can reach out to bookers. And if they see that I've done those festivals, they'll put me on their show. And they're and to answer your question, they're the most fun because you're with a lot of comedy peers that you respect. It's kind of like a comedy summer camp, you know, and you get to hang out. You're there for a weekend in a cool city performing at really like packed crowds. So they're, they're always a lot of fun. So, so I would say... The, the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival in Atlanta was probably the most fun festival that I did. Morgan, I, I want to go back to something you talked about earlier. Um, you talked about being a, a son of an immigrant. Um, how has that played a part 
in your work and what you create on stage, or is it separate? You know, it's only just recently in the last couple months that I started writing jokes about uh, my parents and incorporating that into the into, into the set. I, I I kind of for the last six years, I've most of my material has, has focused on dating relationships because I, I, I find that stuff to be really fascinating. And I think it's something that everybody deals with, whether you're in a committed relationship, you're single, you're dating, whatever it is, we can all kind of relate to that. And it also doesn't cover politics or race or a lot of subjects that can, can set somebody off or be polarizing. That's why the last couple of months, I'm, I'm trying to trying to explore my my parents' heritage, they're immigrants, like my mom's from Brazil, born in Brazil. My dad is born in Sicily and grew up in Argentina. And so I think that immigrant story is, uh, is something that a lot of people can relate to. Uh, and it's also not as polarizing as some some other subjects. And for me, it's just interest, interesting uh, self-exploration, you know? Like, I'm going to be having, you know, deeper conversations with my mom about her time coming to New York. You know what I mean? So, so it, it offers me another opportunity to evolve and grow and change the, the conversation I'm having on stage. And deepen your relationship with your parents. A hundred percent, yeah. It definitely deepens the relationship. So, Morgan, if you can give one piece of advice to graduating seniors like myself who are pursuing entertainment careers, what would that be? You have to be resourceful. You have to be resilient. You cannot take anything personally. You have to know that there are so many variables that are going on behind the scenes that you cannot control. So, you know, it's really easy to get down on yourself in this industry. It's so easy to fall into a funk. So you, you really have to learn to love the work. I think in, in now, especially for somebody like you who's going to be graduating soon, you have to create work. You cannot be expected. I mean, you are a filmmaker. And I, and I say this mostly to the actors that go to the to, to Tish there. You cannot wait to audition for a TV show and just wait to be put on a TV show or film or a movie. Because first of all, I hate to say this, but the film industry is is slowly dying. Um, a lot of people your age are getting their entertainment from YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. When I talk to people, I mean, I, I was in D.C. doing a weekend at a club uh, this weekend. I spoke to a 20-year-old, and he straight up told me, he's like, yeah, I don't watch TV. I don't watch movies. So you're going to have to find other ways and other platforms to, to, to get to reach out. And I, I also think it's empowering because, you know, the, the industry now is creating a certain level, like a certain middle class artist. Uh, you know, for a long time, there was movie stars and then nobody else. And now there's influencers who can source their income from their audience. You know, uh, case in point, I'm producing a show in Scotland in August all on my own. Okay. It's a month long show for a festival called the Fringe Festival. It's the biggest theater festival in the world. They put on about 800 shows a day. And I literally just posted today I asking my followers to donate just five bucks. And even if a quarter of my followers all donated five dollars, I would reach and exceed my fundraising goal, you know? So you got to be able to create your own content. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest things. And I think when you get to LA or New York, every meeting you take, they're going to ask you how many followers do you have? What kind of work are you? What kind of work are you creating? How are you getting people to notice you? You know, before, before it used to be, "Hey, Hollywood, make me famous." 
And now when you take a meeting, they're like, are you famous yet? Hmm. Once you're famous, we'll work with you. It's insane. Wow. It's an insane uh, transition. Thanks for that advice. And Peter's kind of rolling around. I can see it in his yeah. head rolling around. <laughs> How am I going to do this? You will do it. I guarantee it. Um, t- yeah. Time for shout out. And Morgan, any shout outs? Uh, you, you gave Evan one and anyone else? From your old days at NYU. You know, one of the questions I think, are we doing a speed round? In a minute, yes, we are. So there's going to be a big shout out in the speed okay. round to one of my favorite, some one of my favorite teachers there. But uh, but a shout, but you know, general shout out to all of the the RAs that I and some of the the people from NYU that I went to school with who still support me and my comedy that still come to shows every every once in a while I'll, I'll see a friendly face that I went to school with come to a show and when I go to New York. Fantastic speed round. Okay. I, I wrote down answers to this, but I think I'll remember it. Okay. Favorite tradition at NYU? Welcome Week and the Comedy Night. I mean, that's the that was the first live comedy show I ever went to, and that inspired me. I know this is a speed round, but quick, quick fun fact: the agency that I signed with is the agency that NYU went to to book the comics for that week that I saw. Ah. Favorite NYU teacher. Shout out to my favorite teacher and probably the most life-changing teacher, Darling Forrester, who is my expository writing teacher, writing the essay. She has since retired and I think moved back to Michigan or Wisconsin. I would love to find a way to get in touch with her again, but she was my favorite teacher. Best dining hall? Palladium. Any celebrity sightings while you were an NYU student? Weinstein in the dining hall, this Aziz Ansari and the rest of his sketch team from Human Giant because they wow. he's from South or North Carolina and he loves Chick Fil A and that dining hall was the only one that had a Chick Fil A in the whole city. That's right, it was for a while. Best NYC place to hang. Best NYC place to Washington Square Park. A Broadway show you went to see as a student. Moon for the Misbegotten. What was your most memorable RA experience? Listen, I, I'm, I say this because I want to apologize. A long time ago, there was an event that Tom, you were at, and I remember flipping over my chair and storming out, and I am embarrassed by my behavior for that day. And I don't know if you remember it, but that's that's one of, that's one a memorable moment that I'm embarrassed about. You need to put that out of your memory because I only remember good things about our relationship and our time together. But then I guess best memory was the first event I had was an open mic in my dorm. Um, I told everybody that Elijah Wood, a.k.a. Frodo, was going to be there. Um, and then like <laughs> 300 students showed up. Uh, the event was a huge success. People were upset Elijah Wood wasn't there. Uh, however, my best friend, I made him go up there pretending to be somebody named Elijah Wood. And he answered questions about Elijah Wood. That is awesome. That is awesome. Great job. Yes. Morgan, thank you so much for spending some time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thank you to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the Dream School alumni version life. Morgan, thank you for sharing your passion and really spot-on advice as it relates to what it's like out in the real world and following your dream and persistence. Nothing like it. I'm happy to help. I'm happy to share. Yeah, 100%. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Special thanks to my engineer, Dean Maupin, and our executive producer, Shahara Ranasing, and the current professional staff and the alums like Katie Winner of NYU assisted these great RAs and skill acquisition along the way. If you like the show, look for more content on our NYU RA alumni website. Hopefully we'll put a clip of Morgan's 
uh, shows up on our site soon, which lists RA favorite books, picks of all favorite time moments, and RA alumni accomplishments. Until next time, think about how you can go out there, make people laugh and smile. We need each other. Have a great night, guys.